Welcome back to the New England Travel Journal podcast. Sam Dostler with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope everyone is getting ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, getting ready for the holiday season in general, and also staying healthy and safe. Uh, Today we have another guest from the Boston Magazine. This time it is Scott Kiernan. He is the food and entertainment editor for Boston Magazine. Uh, you can find Boston Magazine on social media by searching Boston Magazine or Sean himself on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at the right stuff. SK. Sean, thanks so much for uh, taking a little while to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sam. Just a little bit more on Scott and what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Scott's taking a deep look into the Boston restaurant industry as the city and state continue to navigate uh, through the COVID-19 pandemic and the uncertainty it's causing for the industry, uh, especially as we inch closer towards the winter season. And we're going to get into that a little bit. And we're also going to get into, on a bit of a lighter note, Scott uh, rounded up the up Boston's top 25 hottest restaurants. So a little bit about the COVID and what it's done to restaurants, but also some positives. And uh, let's get the bad news out of the way first, Scott. Um, What's the state of the restaurant industry in Boston at the moment? Well, you know, I probably don't have to tell anyone that the the restaurant industry is in in a really, really difficult uh, position right now. We all are. I mean, the economy being what it is and this pandemic being what it is, um, everyone's in a tough way and the restaurant industry is no exception. Um, As we went to press with our November issue, um, the numbers that I was seeing was that more than 20% of restaurants in Massachusetts had actually closed since March. And, you know, that might represent temporary closures, permanent closures. We don't, I think, know enough of of where they are. Uh, But that's a huge amount of of closures in a really short amount of time. Uh, Restaurants in Massachusetts also, uh, one out of every 10 workers in Massachusetts is employed by a restaurant. So those are a lot of jobs as well. Um, And restaurants are are really, really difficult time right now, especially as we head into the winter months, where people did know for a while that uh, probably the, the COVID pandemic was going to have another uh, uptick and people were going to be more and more concerned about gathering indoors. Uh, patio season obviously is winding down uh, because we are in New England and it gets very cold. Uh, right. And for a lot of restaurants, that was, that was only kind of a stopgap at best anyway. It was a little life support, but it, it wasn't going to be enough long term to keep things open. Uh, at the same time, there's been, uh, I know a lot of restaurateurs feel there's been an absence of support in terms of just you know, financial relief from the state, from the city, what have you, they, they really feel like they're kind of left adrift right now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult for everyone, and it's, it's no exception for them. Uh, there are some, I guess, positive notes that we want to highlight. Ed Doyle, former, former longtime chef uh, who's Boston-based hospitality consulting company, Real Food talked to you for the uh, Boston Magazine piece called The Year That Changed Boston's Dining Scene Forever. And he did provide some silver lining, even if small, uh, with the yeah. COVID situation. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So in any period where there's something that's broken down, uh, there is the opportunity to build something different in its place. And I think that's what Ed and some other folks who I've, who I've talked to about this are, that's the kind of position that they're coming from. Uh, by a lot of people's minds, the restaurant industry was kind of unsustainable as it was. If, if, even in the best of times, they could honestly um, barely get by, even the hottest restaurant in town. And, you know, people that work there are kind of maybe not making as much money as they should because of the gratuity-based um, kind of compensation systems that are in place. And now 
now that there's this, been this humongous disruption um, brought about through the pandemic, that's not a good thing, but in the wake of it, is there a way to just totally reimagine the way that restaurants look like in a way that might make them even better and healthier going forward? Um, for instance, as this uh, pandemic has gone on, we've seen a lot of restaurants start doing grocery service or they're doing these really inventive takeout programs where you can buy platters for your family that will get you through a week's worth of lunch and dinners or they're doing virtual cooking classes, things like that. Um, there's also some different technologies on the horizon that are coming out, you know, climate controlled lockers that restaurants, fast casual restaurants can use to uh, put your food inside and you kind of come and pick it up whenever it works for you like it's an Amazon Prime delivery, you know? Um, so there, there are wow. these ideas and innovations that have kind of maybe been in the offing, um, but never really had uh, circumstances come together that accelerated the need to start thinking about them in a realistic kind of way. Talking with uh, Scott Kernan, food and entertainment editor for the Boston Magazine. Uh, another, and I thought this was very interesting, the Massachusetts, the Mass Restaurants United. What can you talk about? What that is a little bit, and what their goal is? Sure. So, Mass Restaurants United is uh, an organization. It's kind of a coalition of independent restaurants uh, from across Massachusetts that came together during the pandemic to advocate for the interests of restaurants. Um, there are organizations like this on the national level. Um, but they really wanted to have something on the state level. So these are some of, you know, the biggest chefs in town, uh, James Beard Award winners in Boston, like Jody Adams, uh, Ken Oranger and Tony Maas are all part of this, uh, this coalition. And then there's just a lot of folks whose names uh, you don't know, but you, you love their neighborhood restaurant just as much. And they've come together to try to advocate for financial relief. They've been on Beacon Hill um, lobbying with legislators to try to get some relief. There was a, um, a press conference they held um, a month ago on the steps right in front of the state house to try to raise awareness and say, we really need um, some kind of financial uh, bailout package, for lack of a better way of putting it, because right now we're in this untenable situation, trying to keep our doors open. It's not going to last forever. Making choices between public health and keeping the, the economy going, and we don't want to be, have to be making those choices. Um, they just feel like they need more relief, and Mass Restaurants United is a great organization to follow if you're interested in, in helping or learning more about it. And you, you mentioned helping and learning more about it. What is something that the average person can do, someone like myself or uh, I know some people who live in the Boston area, what, what can the regular person do to help out the restaurant industry while we're trying to hopefully some brighter times coming, but still working very much through this COVID pandemic? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I mean, honestly, the best thing you can do is, is to eat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful um, kind of solution to be able to try to implement. It's to support these restaurants um, through your orders. If you're not comfortable dining inside, then doing that takeout order or thinking about different ways, too, that you can kind of take advantage of them. Maybe it's not just um, a, a typical dinner, but maybe it is looking into what they offer in terms of grocery delivery. Um, a lot of times these restaurants have access to real Really cool stuff that you can't find at a Shaw's or a Stop and Shop or a Whole Foods or what have you. Um, and you can kind of get chef grade quality things to uh, upgrade all that home cooking that everyone is doing a lot much, <laughs> a lot more of nowadays anyway. Do it like a chef. Um, to that same point, you know, check out if they're doing cooking classes. And, and instead of buying just a dinner, uh, 
drop down a little bit more, and you'll be able to swing by a restaurant, pick up a meal kit that has everything you need to cook along. You go home, you sign into the Zoom link that they provided to you, and bada-bing, bada-boom, you'll learn how to make pasta. I mean, just think of all the different ways that you can interact with the restaurants um, and try to take advantage of them as best you can. It takes a little uh, planning ahead for your, uh, your meal schedules and budgeting, of course, but it's, it's worth it to help keep some jobs. Yeah, for sure. And I know personally, I live in the Connecticut area, and we've really taken advantage of the the takeout situation at restaurants that I'm sure have always done it, but you're not quite as aware of it. And it's given us the opportunity to really try some different restaurants and uh, while also keeping our our safety in mind, just because we haven't personally been willing to go inside and eat. So uh, I, I of course, I know a lot of people have heard that suggestion, but I think it really rings true. And uh, just yesterday, I was picking up some food nearby me in Connecticut, and I, it was a Thursday night, and the number of cars waiting and placing yeah. orders and being given their food, it's, it's, really, it's really a good thing to see. Absolutely. No, it's really, it's, it's been wonderful to see how so many people have stepped up to want to help their neighbors and, and small business owners everywhere. And it's been really impressive with all this going on, just how quickly, um, all things considered, these restaurants have had to pivot, you know, and, and how they've managed to come up with these, these new ideas and, uh, and different ways of operating systems and kitchens uh, in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and pivot really on, on such short notice, of course, now yeah. we're a number of months into this COVID uh, situation. But when it happened in March, it was, it was basically a one weekend you're open the next weekend you're not. And it's exactly really impressive how quickly they pivoted on their feet. Like you mentioned in early March and, and have incorporated all these different uh, opportunities and different business opportunities uh, as the months and days have, have moved forward. Absolutely. And, it's, you know, too, it, it reminds me a lot of, um, in a way, it reminds me a little bit of how teachers have had to pivot. And, you know, they've, they've had to go online to such a large degree in, in so many places. And I think for teachers and for people who work in hospitality, there's probably a slightly similar experience that part of the reason you went into this is for that interpersonal um, relationship. If you're a teacher, you love working with students, you know, in, in front of them. And if you're, a, if you're a person who goes into a restaurant and you work in hospitality, you love serving people. And it it, it takes that away. A lot of that has been taken away from us at this particular time, too. You know, you have to be behind a mask and six feet away with your rubber glove while you're handing over the, um, the plate of food. It, it doesn't have that same quality. So the fact that they've been able to find ways to still make us feel cared for during times when we need that, I think, is, is to the credit of the restaurant industry. For sure. We're talking with Scott Kernan, the food and entertainment editor for Boston Magazine. This is the New England Travel Journal podcast. Your host, Sam Dostler. Uh, Another thing that you took a deeper dive into uh, in your recent Boston Magazine article was uh, restaurants owned by people of color are, are struggling even more. Of the 49,000 restaurants throughout the of the 49,000 restaurants that received aid through the payment Paycheck Protection Program, only 130 were black owned, largely because of the Boston Black Hospitality Coalition coalition that was formed. Can you tell me about the organization and what that organization is working on to accomplish? 
Yeah, absolutely. So all, all restaurants in Boston have certainly been um, greatly affected by the pandemic, to, to say the least. Um, but Black-owned restaurants in Boston um, in particular, because there are already so many sort of systemic inequalities that exist um, just in the opening of a restaurant and, and getting the kind of investment that you need from the outset, a lot of these Black-owned businesses are already sort of um, you know, disadvantaged going into a crisis like this. I was really shocked to learn from Nia Grace, who is uh, the owner of uh, Daryl's Corner Bar and Kitchen in the South End and also co-founder of the Boston Black Hospitality Coalition, that there are only, I believe, eight um, black owners of liquor licenses in the entire city of Boston. Uh, that's wow. that's that, I couldn't believe that. And, you know, liquor licenses in Boston go for like half a million dollars. So they're very expensive um, to procure. They're also like, a really amazing asset to have as a business owner. And the fact that, you know, black business owners are so underrepresented in that way, I think tells you a lot about um, the disparities that exist. So the Boston Black Hospitality Coalition formed to try to address all those issues during the pandemic. So they've raised, um, at, at the time we went to press the November issue, um, upwards of $80,000 for a relief fund. They had launched a Boston Black Restaurants Month to promote Black-owned businesses. Uh, they had uh, started a beer garden during the fall um, to, to keep supporting the uh, community there in that way. So they've been doing some great work, and, and I'm sure more still to come. For sure. We're talking again with Scott Kiernan of Boston Magazine. Let's flip to a bit more of a positive story. Uh, in addition to the story you wrote for Boston <laughs> Magazine, the year that changed Boston, the Boston dining scene forever, you also wrote one, Eat Here Now, Boston's Top 25 Hottest Restaurants, which highlights some excellent restaurants around the city. How did that list come to be? Absolutely. So, you know, every November, typically, we put together our 50 best restaurants list. It's like a ranked list of the best places in Boston. Um, it's wonderful. It's a lot of fun to research, I'll tell you that, that's for sure. Um, I'm sure it is. <laughs> right? Smallest, world's smallest violin that I have to work on that. Um, yeah. been, you know, this year, <laughs> this year it didn't make sense to, to do something like that. I mean, how can you even begin to sort of uh, compare restaurants during a period like this? But, you know, we still wanted to acknowledge that there are many restaurants that are doing particularly great things. Um, so we came up with this list of 25 places you need to eat right now. And, and these are restaurants that I think uh, do a great job representing, you know, the kinds of cuisines and, and kinds of restaurants that we have around our city. Um, and they're all doing something that kind of speaks to the moment and, and makes them stand out during these crazy times. For example, uh, there's a restaurant in Cambridge called Pagu, and the chef there, Tracy Chang, I think is doing a really great job diversifying what her restaurant does. You can get typical takeout of Spanish-Japanese small plates, or you can get you know, family-style platters for the week. You can get um, uh, her own kind of kitchen ingredients, like the taro root powder to make uh, purple pancakes. Um, you can do a whole pig roast. There's all these different ways you can interact with the restaurant. And plus, she's also on the side, not like she's doing anything else, started two sort of nonprofit organizations. Uh, one called Off Their Plate actually ended up going national, and it is an initiative to keep restaurant workers employed while feeding frontline healthcare okay. workers. And I think that that's a really, um, also a, a part of the movement that we're seeing in restaurants and going to see more of going forward is 
this intersection of having your business plan have some kind of social justice or at least socially responsible component to it. Because people want to know as they're maybe dining out a little bit less or being more thoughtful about where they're putting their money, that they are supporting, um, they feel comfortable with the kinds of businesses and the philosophies that they're supporting. I think that's going to become even more important for people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in addition to the goo, what other, and I hope I said that correctly, what other restaurants <laughs> on the list and uh, what other restaurants are on the list for those who are in the Boston area that are looking to expand their restaurant list, try some new places, and, and what are some of the other offerings that, uh, uh, that consumers can find? So many good ones. Um, off the top, uh, I'll say La Fabrica Central in Cambridge, Central Square. It's a Latin Caribbean restaurant. Um, the chef there, Giovanna Heike, uh, has been referred to as the Julia Child of Puerto Rico because she actually had a cooking show in Puerto Rico that aired for like 23 years. And here she is now in Cambridge doing this. And, and a lot of folks um, you know, aren't aware that they have this, this lovely gem right under their nose. So La Fabrica Central in Cambridge is a great one to check out. Um, I would say that Mida is another personal favorite of mine. It's, it's an Italian restaurant on the South End, Roxbury border. Um, Douglas Williams, the chef there, recently was named one of the best new chefs in the country by Food and Wine. Um, and he does really great Italian food. His focaccia is like butter and garlic drenched deliciousness. Mm. I can't get enough of it. I probably should get enough of it, but I'm not good at that. Uh, <laughs> another, another favorite of mine uh, is Sarma in Somerville, uh, which is a uh, Mediterranean, primarily Eastern Mediterranean and Middle Eastern small plates restaurant. Uh, Cassie Puma over there does amazing stuff, like her spice cabinet. Um, I, I can only imagine what it looks like because it's the flavors that come through, uh, every color, every combination, and always delicious. What's the criteria? How do you go about figuring out which restaurants to go to and then making yeah. and then whittling your list down? Like you said, I, I don't you know, think it's a big violin that you're playing on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's especially hard this year because, you know, you can't it's it's you know, once upon a time you could kinda, you know, restaurant hop a little more often. <laughs> now you're gonna be a lot more thoughtful and, and sort of um uh directed when you're when you're going out. Um, and, you know, the criteria was really just sort of evaluating how these restaurants, first of all, of course, they have to be delicious places to eat. I mean, that's, that's, that's number one. If it's, if it's not a great restaurant, um, then, then it won't be on the list. But also, how are they kind of responding to that moment right now? Like, what are they doing that makes mm -hmm. 2020 a really great year to point them out uh, among all the other places that, that are fabulous to eat at. I, I kind of think of these lists as like yearbooks and everyone mm. should be like a snapshot in time of like who are the people that just kind of, you know, in your class it might have been best dressed. It might have been, you know, class clown. It might, <laughs> it might have been right. uh, smartest student or whatever. What are sort of like the restaurants right now that just kind of are superlative in some way that when you put them all together in a list, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a snapshot of the class this year. Boston, 20, Boston Dining 2020. These are the people that define yep. it right now kind of thing. Love it. Uh, let's finish <laughs> on an uplifting, on a, a very uplifting yeah. note. I know it's been a little bit more positive towards the end here, talking about the Boston's top 25 hottest yeah. restaurants. But there's finally some talk, and you're starting to hear some, some of the health officials talk about how there's a light at the end of the tunnel course i think we're still many months out from that but when we're back to normal 
mm. what do you look forward to most when you can just walk into a restaurant freely without ha- without having to worry about the outside forces? What is what are you most looking forward to? Uh, good question. I think I'm looking forward most. First and foremost, I'm looking forward to being able to just like walk into a restaurant, see the person that I'm meeting, and give them a hug without having to think for a second. You know what I mean? That's the A number one. Shake or shake a hand or whatever. That's the part I'm looking forward to the, to the most. Um, from a dining perspective, I'm definitely hoping that we kind of carry over after um, we are through this, just what we've learned in terms of the importance of supporting small businesses and the importance of supporting, um, you know, the people at our, at our corner restaurant who really do know our names and, and care about us when we walk in the door. Um, and I'm also looking forward to, I was someone who – you know, recent years, shared plates was like the big thing. Everyone wanted shared mm, plates. Yep. And I'm such a like, I'm a like, I want an appetizer. I want an entree. <laughs> if I'm still hungry, maybe I'll get a dessert. I might eat my own thing. Okay, you know what? I'm, you've, it's cracked me. I'm now willing to go in and go with some shares and plates with people just to, <laughs> just to have that experience <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that uh, everyone is, is certainly looking forward to. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us. Uh, you can find him on Boston, in Boston Magazine, Scott Kiernan, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, at the right stuff SK. His two latest articles, The Year That Changed Boston's Dining Scene Forever and Eat Here Now, Boston's 25 Hottest Restaurants. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for the, the insight, and uh, hopefully 2020 can close out strong and we're on to bigger and better things in 2021 with some of the things that restaurants learn this year and uh, we can move forward and persevere. Absolutely. We will, we will do that. We certainly will. Again, Scott Kernan from Boston Magazine, their food and entertainment editor. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New England Travel Journal podcast. 